Hey, welcome to Hope Church Online. My name is Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope, and we are so honored and privileged to bring hope into your home today. You know, in a world full of bad news, we are good news people with a message of hope in Jesus. To hope means to joyfully anticipate good things, and that is precisely what we do here at Hope Church. We expect things to work together for good because we know we have an amazingly good God who is for us, not against us, who's working all things together for good because we love him and we're called according to his purpose. You know, if you joined us last week for Easter, you heard about the power of a well-planned exit. That's right. We saw Jesus. He made a great first impression with his entry with, to earth. That's called Christmas. But Jesus, he made an even greater exit where he rose in victory, defeating sin, come on, defeating death and the grave. We call that Easter. That's the power of a well-planned exit. And today, I want to pick up on that theme again and talk about another man named Peter that made an unexpected exit. In a time where everyone else around him was engaged and engrossed with fear, he made an exit that changed and accelerated his life forever. Let's jump right into it in Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. It says it like this. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. That's right, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, and rightly so, thinking, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, be brave, take heart, take courage, it's me, it's I, your rabbi, right? Don't be afraid. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on the water to you. Jesus simply said, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand. He picked him up. He caught him and said, you of short duration of faith. Literally translated, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed out of the boat, into the boat, the wind died down, the waves calmed down, and there rose those who in the boat started worshiping Jesus, saying, truly you are who you say you are. Truly you are the Son of God. And I love this passage. It's really a picture. It's a powerful portrayal of a principle that, if accepted, will advance and accelerate our lives. This principle I'm referring to might not be what you're expecting today, but it is the principle of exception. That's right, the principle of exception. You know, growing up, we learned all about the laws of our language, the rules and the laws of grammar. And one thing we had to learn were the exceptions. And there's a lot of them. But when it came to spelling, one of the exceptions I found easiest to remember was I before E always, except after C and in sounding like A as a neighbor and way. It's always like this, except when it's not, right? Someone comment with me, exception. Exception. That's what we're talking about today. Exception. The power of exception. Webster's Dictionary defines exception as a person or a thing that is excluded from a general statement, who does not follow the norm, does not follow a rule. So an exception is an anomaly. It's a special case. It's a deviation. It's an irregularity. And as I reflect on the definition of the word exception, I feel like it's a description of the way God sees and addresses his people. I mean, from the Old Testament throughout the New Testament, God seems to suggest that it is his intention for his people to be the exception. 
anomalies, irregularities, deviations, distinct and different from everyone else around them. He uses words like salt and light and chosen, special, set apart, anointed, beloved, peculiar to describe his people. That's not ordinary. That's not normal. That is exceptional. We are empowered to be called to be people of exception. Therefore, we should embrace the principle of exception, which simply translates, just because it's the way that it's always been, doesn't mean that it's the way that it's always going to be. Another way to put it is, what happened with them does not dictate or determine what happens with me. I'll say it again. What happens to them does not dictate or determine what's going to happen with me. And that might challenge some of our expectations. That might challenge the norm. But that's what exceptions do. Exceptions live in the unexpected. I before E every single time except after C and it's sounding like A as a neighbor or way. It's difficult to capture because it's always the same until it's not. I see examples of this principle of exception all throughout the scripture. It's powerfully portrayed in Genesis, where everybody on the earth gets washed away in a world-changing flood, except Noah and his family. It's displayed in Exodus chapter 8, when God's people are slaves in a space called Egypt, and they're enduring all sorts of plagues and disease and sickness, and God says in Exodus verse 23, even though you're in Egypt and Egypt is experiencing plagues, he says, I will make a distinction between my people and your people. Do you see it, Hope Church? He says, it will be different for you than it is for them. And we see another powerful example of this truth two chapters later in Exodus 10, 22. It says, so Moses stretched out his hand towards the sky and total darkness covered all of Egypt for days. No one could see anyone or move about for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Oh man, that is so good. All the people of God had light and were free from fear while the world around them was trapped in darkness. Can you see it, Hope Church? Darkness was covering all of Egypt with the exception of the places that Israel lived. One translation put it this way. There was darkness in Egypt, but there was a light in Goshen. And Goshen is where God's people were hanging out. And you've got to realize that this principle of exception does not suggest that we won't experience what others experience. But it suggests that we can have a different outcome than others have. Come on. We may go through some of the same things, but we don't come out the same way. The experience is the same, but the exit, oh, come on, baby, it's so different because we are the exception. The experience might be the same, but because we're the exception, the exit is so different. An exception is not a denial of adversity and inconvenience. It's not a dismissing of the social norms, but it is a decision that says, I will not allow what is normal for others to define me, to imprison me, to inhibit me from living in all that God has for me. The scriptures in society are filled with exceptions. And as a person of hope, why not us say, why can't I be one of them? I mean, there's exceptions everywhere. Why can't I be one of them? Somebody write in the comments, exceptions change everything. Exceptions change everything. Exceptions change your ending. 
Exceptions differentiate how you exit. Exceptions change everything. Write it in the comments. Exceptions change everything. Here's the thing. 100-year-old women, they don't have babies. But God made an exception for a woman named Sarah. Exceptions change everything. Here's the thing. Water doesn't part so that people can walk through on dry ground. But God made an exception for a man named Moses because exceptions change everything. Walls don't fall from people screaming at them. The sun doesn't take a break or take orders from people in battle. But God made an exception for a man named Joshua in the walls of Jericho and the sun of our solar system. Exceptions change everything. Come on now. Birds don't feed people. People feed birds. But when there was a famine in the land and people were dying, God made an exception for a man named Elijah. And he lived when others died. Because exceptions change everything. Dead people don't go into graves, stay there all night Friday night, all day Saturday, all night Saturday night. But God made an exception for a man named Jesus. And early Sunday morning, he walked himself out of that grave. Because exceptions change everything. And if God did it for most, and if God did it for Sarah, and if God did it for Joshua, and Elijah, and Jesus, why don't you believe God can do it for you too? I want you to declare in faith today, I serve the God of exemptions. I serve the God of exceptions. I know what normally happens, but this isn't normal. I know what ordinarily happens, but this isn't ordinary. God's people are the exception. Which brings us to our text today. You always see people walking on the ground. That's not abnormal. But in Matthew 14, we see a different kind of walking. We see two men walking on something that most people drowned in. It's Jesus and Peter, the water-walking exceptions. Peter is unpredictable. I just want you to relate to him. He's temperamental. He's impulsive. He would lay his hands on the sick, but he'll also throw his hands at some people's faces coming after Jesus. He's imperfect Peter. He's coward at certain times, courageous at others. He goes from reed-like living, like back and forth, flopping to and fro, to rock-like after encountering Jesus. Peter's just a normal guy, but he was the exception. Peter was just a normal guy, but he was the exception. So in our text, Jesus has sent the disciples sailing ahead and is now walking on water to meet up with them. Either on the water he'll meet with them or on the other side. He's walking to connect back with them. And the disciples see Jesus walking out there and they don't recognize him. Because watch this, it's hard to recognize God sometimes in a storm. I mean, this is the same Jesus they just left. They just spent all day doing miracles with him. They've been with Jesus for years. They know who Jesus is. But in a storm, it's hard to recognize God. So they don't know whether it's God or not. They think it's a ghost. And here comes Jesus, the solution to their problems. And the follower of Jesus are just as afraid of the solution as they are their current situation. It's interesting, right? That it's their mentor, their, their rabbi, walking on the water towards them, and they're still afraid of the best thing that's ever happened to them. What is this teaching us? Might this be teaching us that sometimes God shows up looking in a way that is different from our expectation? Sometimes he shows up not looking like what we think he should look like. But often what we miss is the fact that he's there. 
all the time, whether we see him or not. And even when we don't see him, or even we, when we can't define him, he's working and he's walking on what we're all worried about. Remember, Jesus had 12 students, 12 disciples, 12 apprentices, and Peter, one out of 12, says, if it's you, tell me to come. Do you see it? Do you see the principle of exception? Do you see it? I mean, there's 12 men in the boat, and only one out of the 12 asks to walk on water. Peter was the irregularity. He was the anomaly who did not allow what happened to them dictate or determine what could happen for him. He stepped out of the boat onto the water because he refused to be limited by the same limitations of the other 11. Here's my question. Who's your 11 in this season? Who are the 11 holding you back in this season? Who are you looking at to determine what's possible for you? And how are you allowing the limitations of that group to limit what you think is possible for you? Is your 11 your gender? You know, most women don't do that, so you can't do that. You know, most men don't play that role, so you can't play that role. Are you, are you not even trying to step out of the boat because the 11 others that are in the boat with you are telling you what's possible and what's not possible, even though they don't have any experience in that area to even know if it's possible? What or who is your 11? Is it your age? Who said you're too old? Who says you're too young? Are you looking at what's possible for you by looking at a people group around you in the same arena? Because most people don't change careers at 50. Does that mean you cannot be the exception at 50? Most people don't change their city at 17, 18. Does that mean you can't be the exception and do great things for God in your generation? Because the 11 don't do something that's risky or ridiculous at a certain age or stage. Is that keeping you on the boat? Who's your 11? Is it the people who made some of the same kind of mistakes that you made? And because those of us who make these kinds of mistakes don't typically recover from these kinds of mistakes, so I'm not even going to try to recover from these kinds of mistakes because based on the 11 beside me that went before me, recovery seems to be impossible. You make these mistakes, there's no coming back. Nobody can have a whole life after this kind of abuse for this long. Nobody has a marriage that works after what we've been through. Nobody's get ahead having a record, a criminal record like mine. Who is your 11? Peter had the audacity to decide what happens with other people on the same boat as me does not dictate or determine what happens to me. Just because we're in the same boat at the beginning doesn't mean we're going to end in the same place. And he was willing to step out of the boat anyways. Well, we're all in the same boat of dysfunction and limitation together. It's just who we are as a people. It's who we are as a family. Don't you put that on me, Dad. Don't you put that on me, Mom. Don't you put that on me, that limitation. I'm stepping out of the norm. I'm stepping out of the expected. I'm going to be the exception. Who is your 11? Who are you looking at and coming to conclusions about what is possible for you based on the activity of others? See, those who embrace the principle of exception don't deny the norms. They don't deny the obstacles. They don't deny that it may be harder for me based on my gender, that it may be harder for me based on my age, 
That might be harder for me based on the mistake that I made. That it may be more unlikely for me based on my challenges. But unlikely does not mean impossible, especially with God. Unlikely does not mean impossible. Nothing is too difficult for him. Nothing is impossible with him. Come on, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Unlikely does not mean impossible. Never been done before doesn't mean impossible to do today. And when I don't step out of the boat because of premature conclusions I've drawn about my life based on what happens to others, I get frozen in what I should be freed from. I don't want to be found frozen in what I should be freed from. And it's interesting because Peter embraces being the exception and steps out of the boat walking on water. But in order to do that, he had to be willing to leave some people that he loved. In order to be the exception, he had to be willing to leave some people that he loved. Many people don't like this kind of talk because what makes you so special? Why do you think you're so special? Why would you leave me? Why would you, uh, why would you leave me? I'm just looking out for you. I love you. It's always cloaked in love. I just don't want to see you get hurt or drown. I don't want to see some big dream drown you, son. And when you leave their concerned and caring, doubt-filled counsel, they say, why, why do you think you'll be any different? What makes you so favored? What makes you the exception? Not much other than that's what Jesus says about me. He calls me chosen. He said I'm special. He said I'm set apart. He said I'm anointed, beloved, peculiar people. It's not so much who I am. It's what he says about who I am. And not only does he say it, it's who he is living in me that makes me the exception. And who he is is the resurrection and the life. Who he is is the God who makes dead things come to life. Impossible, possible. Unrealistic, very realistic. So what, do you think you're better than me? No, not at all. I'm just different. And different is not better. It's just different. Exception shouldn't lead to arrogance. It should lead to humility. See, the principle of exception is not making a judgment on the 11. It's just discerning that I'm not number 11. I'm number 12. See, we're not making a judgment on the 11. I'm just discerning that I'm number 12. And the 12th one, the one out of 12, is not like the other 11. One of these things is different than the others. One of these things is not like the others. If you're catching what I'm saying, comment with me. I'm number 12. I'm number 12. I'm number 12. I know my dad did it. And I know his dad did it. And I know his dad did it. And his dad did it. But I'm number 12. I'm the exception. See, I'm not making a judgment on others that came before me or others that stand around me. I'm not making a judgment on what you should and shouldn't do. I'm not making a judgment on whether or not what you're doing is good or bad. No, this has nothing to do with you. This is a revelation of God's description of me that's giving me recognition of who I am. I'm not saying the boat is bad for you. I'm saying I'm not built for the boat. I'm not saying you can't be in the boat. I'm saying I wasn't born to stay stuck in a boat. I'm not built for the boat. I suffocate in a place called stuck and stagnation and safe. Safety suffocates me. That sounds like slavery to me. That sounds like entrapment to me. I was born to explore. I need to experiment. I'm not this or that. I'm this and that. I'm not wired that way. If that suits you, that's fine, but it doesn't. 
doesn't suit me. I'm number 12. I'm stepping out. I can't sit down here. I'm itching to get out. I'm irritable in the boat. I want to walk onto the unknown. I was not born for the boat. I'm not built for the boat. And if you keep me on this boat too long, I'm going to start to rock this boat. Come on, people of hope. I'm number 12. Declare it in the comments. I'm number 12. Not a judgment on the 11. No, this is a revelation and a recognition of who God has made me to be. No group of 11 is going to tell me what's possible when Jesus has told me all things are possible to those who believe. You get what you go for. I'm a number 12 pastor. I'm a number 12 leader. You're number 12 people. I do not gauge what is possible for this church based on what happened with the 11 that came before us or the 11 that stand beside us. This is a number 12 church. You are a number 12 people. We are not going to predict what's possible for the kingdom in Corning, Elmira, New York based on the 11 that have come before us. If it's never been done before, it's just right for Jesus. If greater groups have tried and failed, if greater leaders have tried and failed, we are the exception that will see this valley find hope in Jesus Christ. Now more than ever, we should see and believe that things that have never been done before are possible in Jesus. We are those who walk on the water. We're not afraid. We don't sit on the sidelines. We don't sit and soak and wait for life to come to us. And I don't believe you are 11 either. Why would God plant a boat sitter in a water-walking church? That means that this church should make you comfortably uncomfortable. Because as soon as you start to settle in the boat, when you encounter Hope Church, something should wake up on the inside of you and say, don't you dare stay in this boat. Step foot out the boat. Don't you dare settle for less than God's best. You ought to feel an upward call that pushes you into your destiny in Christ Jesus in this place. Come on, if that's you, uh, give me a walking person in the comments. Show me that you're not a sitter. You're a walker. Show me that you're not a soaker. Come on, comment a walker. You're a walker. You walk on what everyone else is worried about. You walk on what keeps everybody else in fear and in torment. To be the exception, there are few things that I see we need to practice. Come on, let's get it in our spirits. I'm a water-walking person of hope. I am challenged to change. I will not sit and soak. I am here to stand up, step out, and move forward in Jesus' name. If it's never been done before, it's more right for Jesus now than ever. I am the exception. So to be the exception, we need a few things. Here it is. Number one, we need exposure. Peter was a fisherman by trade, so he had been on water most of his life. Yet even though he grew up around water, we see no evidence of him ever attempting to walk on water prior to him seeing his mentor do it. He never went for it. He never saw it. And once he got exposed to Jesus doing it, that exposure awakened an appetite in him for something he didn't even know existed until he saw it being done. He never thought to do it. Until he saw it being done, he never thought that he was the exception that could do it. So we've got to ask the question, why is it that you see what you see? Could it be that exposure is the evidence of God's favor on your life? And that favor puts you in the proximity of the extraordinary things of God? Because once you see it happening, you can't unsee it. 
Once you taste it, you can't untaste it. So could it be that God is exposing us to certain things, not to irritate us, but to inspire us? He's not trying to show you what you can't have. He wants to use that exposure as inspiration, not for us to want what God is doing for them, but he wants to use that exposure as an inspiration for me to want what God has for me. Because what God has for them and what God has for me might be different. No, no, no. I don't want to walk on your water, but I do want to walk on mine. I'm not coveting what you have, but I'm passionate about what God has for me. We need exposure. Do you think that you've seen all that you've seen just to see it? No. You are exposed to experience your version of getting out of the boat. So number one, Peter had exposure from his mentor. He had exposure from his leadership. Number two element he had was the fact that he was enthralled. I mean, he was taken up with. Even though Peter had an appetite for the sea, he didn't leave until he saw Jesus doing it. His walking on the water was his response to an invitation from his Jesus, from his master, from the one he looked to. Peter was not walking on water just to walk on water. He was walking on water to get to Jesus. He wasn't just trying stuff just to try stuff. He wasn't a thrill seeker that was using the voice of God to validate a desire to have thrills and ignore his boredom in life. He wasn't trying to be brave as much as he was trying to be obedient. He wasn't trying to get on the water as much as he was trying to get to Jesus. And his obedience required that he be brave. Bravery was secondary to obedience. So he stepped out of the boat and onto the water because someone on the water was calling him. He was enthralled with Jesus. He was taken up with Jesus. He was walking to get to Jesus. Come on, Hope Church. Let's be those people who are absorbed and engrossed with Jesus. I believe you're watching this message online because there's something on the water that God is calling to you to. There are other people who are with you, but they don't hear what you hear, and they don't see what you see. But man, do you hear it loud and clear, and you see it so crystal clear. I'm walking to Jesus. I'm looking to Jesus. I'm called by Jesus. Something is calling you to come out of the boat to meet me in a place that other people think is unsafe. Something is calling you to come out of the boat and meet him in a place that other people think is ridiculous, unsafe, uncharted. And it was because Peter was enthralled. When we read the text, we see that it's almost as if he didn't see the wind in the water at first. It's almost like Peter just saw Jesus. And it's when he stopped being enthralled with Jesus that he began to sink. And he cried out for him. you got to get this. Because if you don't, presumption will cause you to drown. That's what happened with Pharaoh. He saw Moses and Israel walking through the Red Sea on dry ground. So he tried to do the same thing he saw somebody else doing on a word from God. He said, if they can do it, I can do it. That sounds inspiring. But that theology is bad because Pharaoh and his army tried to do what Moses did and Pharaoh and his army drowned in the sea because you drown when you try to follow a word that God didn't give to you. He said, no, I told them to do that. I didn't tell you to do that. But I have chariots, God, and Israelites don't. They have to walk through what I can ride through. I'm better than them. If they can do it, I can do it. But can do it and supposed to do it are not the same thing. You can have more chariots. 
You can have more connections. You can have more competence. You can have more coin. But if you don't have a word, if you're not enthralled with the word made flesh, if you are going to drown in what other people who had less than you walked right through. It didn't work because they were so smart. It didn't work because they were so connected. It didn't work because they were so great. It worked because Moses kept his hands lifted and stayed enthralled with God. He was exposed. He was enthralled. Number three, Peter engaged. Even when Jesus told Peter to come, Peter was the one that had to step out of the boat and engage with the water and engage with the unknown and engage with uncertainty because Jesus will give you the word, but he won't move your legs. And some people have had the invitation, but have never walked on water. And it's because they won't engage their faith. Because for them, the word come is not enough. All Jesus said was come. In the middle of a storm, in the middle of uncertainty, all Jesus said was come. And here's the question. Is come enough for you? He gave him no more detail. But Lord, what's going to happen? Come. But what about gravity, Jesus? Come. What about the wind and the waves? What about the darkness? Is it safe? Are you going to meet me halfway? Come on, Jesus, meet me in the middle. I feel exposed. I feel out of my element. Am I going to have to come all the way to you? And all Jesus said was, come. Is come enough for you to engage in what you do not understand? See, God can't sustain you until you step out of the boat. He can't show you what's next until you step out of the boat. And yes, we need to be smart. And yes, we can use strategy. But we must also make sure that we're not stuck because of analysis paralysis. Don't talk yourself out of the word come from Jesus. Don't talk yourself out of the simplicity in being enthralled and engaging with Jesus. Because even if I sink, and for some reason I'm not the exception, I'd rather live my life having walked for three steps on water than to live my whole life staying in a boat wondering what life would look like outside of the boat. Come on, people of hope. You are not built for the boat. You are not born to stay put. You are not better than the 11, but you are not one of the 11. You are number 12. Jesus is calling you into the unknown today. He's calling you to be number 12. He's calling you to be the exception. Run to him. Come to him. Be enthralled and engaged with the Jesus that you've been exposed to today. Come on, he had exposure. He was enthralled with Jesus, and he engaged with the call of Jesus. One word from Jesus can change your life. That word is come. And when you walk towards Jesus, he will change your life. Jesus said it like this. Are you tired? Are you burnt out on religion or trying things in your own way and reasoning? He said, come to me. Come to Jesus, and I'll give you everything you've been looking for that matters. I will give you rest for your soul. You know, Jesus might not look like what you expected, but you can be the exception. Jesus might not look like what you were expecting, but you can be the exception when you come to his call. And his call might not always be comfortable. But that word come will change everything. Come on, we might go through the same things everybody else goes through. But we do not come out the same way everybody comes out. Today, Jesus is calling you.
Maybe you haven't ever related to Jesus. Maybe you've never given your heart or your life over to him. I want to tell you, it's the best decision I've ever made. When I said yes, when he said come, it changed my whole life forever in the very best way. So many people think God is out to control them, to ruin their lives, but it's the opposite. He said, I came that you might have life and life to the fullest. He has a bright future and a bright hope for you. And when you surrender to his call, when you say yes, I come to you. I rest in you. Man, he changes everything. Maybe you've walked away from Jesus. You've stopped relating to him for one reason or another. Today is your day of freedom. Today is your day of salvation. He wants to help you more than ever before. Come to him. Come on, church. If that's you this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with us. He says, if you confess, if you ask me with your mouth, and you believe in your heart that I can help you, I will come and I will change your life. So today, let's surrender our lives to him. Let's do it together. If you're coming back to Jesus or coming to Jesus for the first time, Jesus has one word for you. It's come and he will show you a life of impossibility. He will show you a life of freedom. He will help you like no one has helped you ever before. So let's pray together, church. Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you everything I know, everything I don't know, and I trust you. I come to you. I say, would you help me? Would you forgive me? Would you set me free? I want to be a new creation. Have your way in my life. I say yes. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Come on, we celebrate that decision with you. Come on, let's party, Hope Church, in the comments below. If you just made that decision for the first time or you're coming back to Jesus, the best thing you can do is engage with content like this. Come on, join a local church and really go after what God has for you. We believe that the best is still yet to come. God is for you, not against you, and he will bring peace in the middle of every storm in your life. Come on, he brings everything to peace. Come on, let's call on his name. He's calling us. Let's call on the name of Jesus together.